Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of We Should Have Recorded That with Phil and Adam. Hello Adam. And Hi, listeners, yeah, if you do, you know like Adam is laughing and it seemed like you wonder like why is he laughing because we we've spent like 30 minutes trying to start the podcast and the just, antics you know, the before antics we before. hit record. Yeah. That may, man, maybe maybe we'll be the the kind of podcast that starts like a Patreon page, and we could give our Patreon subscribers a f- exclusive access yeah. to our antics. Right. Yes, the things that we don't want to be in the regular podcast. I mean, <laughs> I, yeah, uh, I, yeah. I I to be honest and. If we ever did start a Patreon, I hope no one goes back and listens to this, but to be honest, I don't think anyone should pay to hear us be like, is your microphone running? running? Is your, is microphone, your microphone running? running? <laughs> but you, I mean, those are where the golden moments are, you know, those like the B-sides of albums and all that type of stuff. There's yeah. so many, so much gold there. But anyway, let's... Gold, let's, uh, for sure. Yeah. But uh, before we get into today's, um, to our topic and our guest who is with us, we want to invite everyone to please, um, if you're listening, please share if you're enjoying what you're hearing. Uh, You could subscribe to us on YouTube uh, with our title. You can also comment. Please comment. You can leave a voice memo with us, a voice comment. Also like and follow. And you can find us um, on Instagram and Facebook. (laughs) Another, I'm sorry. You're about to say this strangers and it tickles me every time. It 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 is our title minus the and W S R T W P A. Wasurpa. Wasurpa. Well, sorry, I keep doing it back. Don't forget the little lowercase W. Wasurpa. Yeah, just rolls off the tongue like butter. And I guess we should figure. We'll like figure out off, um, off. After the podcast, which where is the emphasis? We'll figure that out later. But you can find <laughs> us on Instagram and Facebook by by that. Um, I don't think we have any comments today. Do you have any comments? Oh man, no, I don't. Listeners, you're letting us down. We yeah. need you to send us some feedback so Please. that you too can be featured on the air. Yes, but so today we are. So we're going to get right into it. So today we're very. Yeah. Uh, excited to have someone else that we both uh, know and that we've uh, we've gotten to know through music. Know and love. Yes, 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 yes very well. And uh, we have with us Julie Smith. Hello, Julie. How you doing? I'm doing great, Phil, Adam. It's so good to be with you guys. It's great to have you. Thanks for joining us. My yeah. pleasure. I love listening to podcasts. That's one of my favorite ways to exercise or to spend time in the kitchen. And so now I get to be on one. This is. Is this your first podcast that you've been on? It is. <gasps> I'm so honored. Well, I am as well. It's uh, your, you know, a little checkbox on the bucket list that I didn't even really know was there, but I'm, I'm going to write it on real quick and check Absolutely. it off. Yeah. Yes. Great. <laughs> That's Great. perfect. Yeah. I mean, you know, you start here with, we should have recorded that. And, you know, tomorrow you'll be recording the daily with Michael Barbaro. 
That's right. Terry Gross, come and find me. I'll be ready for yeah, my fresh. That's freshman. right. NBR, here we come. Yes. The, <laughs> the Phil, other big leagues. Yes. Phil, tell us about Julie. Because yes, she's fascinating. Yes. She is very fascinating. Julie is an active flautist. Is, she, is that how I should say that? Flutist, flautist? Uh, so either are okay. I think okay, flautist okay. sounds kind of snobby. So I. Oh, okay. yes. Thank you. I have always thought that you don't play the flout, you play the flute. Yes, agreed. <laughs> okay, good. All right. Yay. Okay. All right. We're going to have a whole conversation about what, I mean, there are two, the, both of these words are contested of how you like pronounce <laughs> But, so we're going to, we have, Julie is a flutist and a pianist. Um, in Rochester, New York. She is a worship director at Pierce Memorial Church, where I, I got to know her really well. The director of the Scholarship Flute Choir at the Hochstein School of Music. In addition to her private studio, Julie is, is an active chamber musician in and around Rochester, performing with the Hochstein fa uh, faculty woodwind quintet. Would you say the name? I believe it's Fem Vindar. Fem Vindar and serves as a collaborative pianist for professional and students in the area. Julie has two degrees in music and a MM in flute performance from the University of North Carolina at Greensboro and a BS from, we share the alma mater, uh, in music Woo! education from Roberts Wesleyan College. Julie, currently she lives in Rochester with her husband, Roy Smith and her three sons, James, Owen, and Felix, who have got the chance to meet. Yes. Welcome, Julie. It is good to be here, guys. Yeah, we're really excited to have you here. Um, you know, like Phil and I, as you know, Julie, are both really interested in church music and our church musicians ourselves. And mm -hmm. so when we when we thought, what could we do for our, our next topic? and we decided church music you were the first person who came to both of our minds to Aww. contribute to this conversation yes. fantastic i love talking about church music too so this is a meeting of the minds yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so phil you alluded to it already but you got to know julie through pierce memorial church right i did i did i um i was there as a um worship arts intern for the year and um, because my, my my focus is music vocal music education and teaching choirs I spent a lot, a lot of time with Julie because she is the choir director um, as as part of her role she is the choir director at Pierce Memorial Church so it was really uh, really nice to work with you there Julie and, and to get to know the choir which I, I haven't really I should I, I I'm sorry to everyone at Pierce, all of the people there, I haven't said <laughs> more about you, because, but I love you all. I'm so <laughs> thankful for the opportunity to get to know you and to work with you. And so many, so many of them came to, um, to my recite, my senior recital. Mm -hmm. So I really am thankful to have gotten to know them. Um, they are such a good group of people. The people in that choir, they're just yes. super supportive. And yeah, it was so great to have you, Phil. It was my first chance to have an intern and um, kind of practice having these conversations even like we're, we're going to have today. Right, um, right. But and oh, to have somebody to share a little bit of that load of, with the choir as well, watch <laughs> you direct and share some. Oh, it was great. It was great. 
Yes, yeah. And then, Julie, you and I, we first met from via Chehi. Is that correct? Yes. Trying, yeah, we yeah. met at Chehi. Yeah. yeah. So we've, that was, I don't know how long ago that was, seven, eight years ago now? Yeah, I think about as long as you've been there, that would right. have been. Yeah, because you'd been you'd been associated with the camp forever, right? And I'm like, for I'm a long time. A yeah. Yes, Chehi <laughs> Chehi is how I got to Rochester. So, um, yeah, it was you know as professors at Roberts will tell you, Chehi's a great place to recruit. So, <laughs> and uh, I'm I'm proof of that. Yes, yes, so true. I mean, I mean those professors who teach at other institutions just have so much less to recruit to. Oh. <laughs> oh I might, oh, Phil, you might need to edit that out. Off uh -oh. topic. <laughs> oh. <Yeah. laughs> well, well, as as you said, Adam, we brought Julie on today to talk with us, to have a conversation about church music. And um, and so I guess we can kind of dive into that. My yeah. my first question to you, Julie, as a uh, as a musician, how did you um, become a church musician and, and then later decide to kind of lead and direct? That's a really interesting question, I think. Okay. Um, so I grew up in a Christian home uh, in the church every time the doors were open. And I'm the daughter of two musicians. So both my parents are music educators. So because of that, we were very much at the center of music ministry in my home church growing up, which was great. Um, overall, I got a lot of experience and a lot of um, practice being up in front of people um, just as a performer. Um, I have to say, though, um, by the time I got to college, I was very much turned off to wanting to do anything as far as church music, um, as far as a vocation. Uh, I'd seen, I mean, you guys have witnessed and anybody that's done music ministry at any level, it can be nasty. Um, people can be, can be cruel and heartless and um, a lot of preference uh, comes out, uh, personal preference at the expense, I think, of a corporate worship experience. And so by the time I got to college, I thought, you know what? Um, if I'm going to be a musician, which I'm going to be a musician, and people are going to be catty, I'd rather do it in a secular setting. <laughs> and so I went through my, my undergraduate and my master's degree and kind of kept it on the D, you know, down low. I would play sometimes in church, but I really was not interested in pursuing any kind of choral directing or worship team leading, anything like that. And when I got back from my master's degree, uh, the worship director at Pierce, which was where I had attended as an undergrad, um, and he was actually, he went to school with me as well. We got our, our undergrads together, uh, started saying, Julie, you really need to be, you got to be doing more. Come on, you know, you're a resource here. <laughs> and uh, the pastor at the time at Pierce was also very, very encouraging and just you know, oh, you know, you, you're really good at this and you should do more of this. And we think, you know, we see these gifts and they kind of dragged me out into this water that I didn't really want to get wet in um, little bit by little bit. Well, why don't you just play this, this service every so often? And then why don't you 
you know, could you help over here every now and then? And could you, could you maybe just like coach this little group here for, you know, and it was just this very slow, sometimes I wonder if they planned it or if it was just an organic thing. Um, but before you knew it, I was an assistant director at Pierce. Um, and I think one of the reasons that that worked was because, well, one, they were so affirming of me and so encouraging of my development. But also, I had a really good experience. Everybody at Pierce seemed very grateful. I wasn't getting that nasty feedback and that that cattiness that I had experienced in the past. And so for a season, especially in that entry point, there was a lot of healing for me, I think, in that. And I realized, oh, you know, as somebody who likes to teach, somebody who likes to play, someone who likes to direct, um, and who has a heart for theology and reading, this is actually a really good marriage of a lot of different things that that I've been developing and I'm interested in. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. Wow. And it's true, <laughs> I mean, it's true, Julie, that being a church musician, I mean, like, versatility and flexibility are probably, I mean, how would you rank those as the qualities of an effective church musician? Oh, it's, it's huge. Um, yeah, yeah. Unless you're privileged enough to serve at a church with thousands of people, you know, your, your pool of musicians is not going to be everything that you need it to be. And so the more things that you can do, the more you can insert. And so when I was the assistant director at Pierce, the, the main director, he played piano and he sang and he directed and he played guitar and he played percussion and I directed and I played piano and I played flute and I could, you know, and we would just, I mean, we could run the show just the two of us if we had to, but there was always, oh, somebody's sick. Okay, well, I'll go there and you go do this or you can direct this and I'll jump over here. So it's just absolutely really important to be able to, to be able to jump around and be able to dabble in a lot of different things. Yeah. Could you touch on like the 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 cattiness and then that healing? Because I think, you know, even for maybe someone right now who may who may be experiencing that or have experienced that and they're mm -hmm. like you and say, I don't want to be involved. How, like, yeah. could you touch on that a little bit more? Yeah. Um, I think at Pierce, like I said, there was that a very consistent, very faithful presence of a few people who were very nurturing to me, who understood, um, you know, they had experienced it as well, um, the worship wars and some of that. Um, and they really fed me, not just encouraging me as a person, as a performer, as a musician, but also um, they really nurtured me in developing a philosophy of worship, in really helping me explore why I'm doing what I'm doing. And that was probably the single biggest uh, way that they helped me was um, I find it's a lot hard it's a lot harder to be angry and frustrated and lash out at, at congregants or people or yourself even if you have a really developed idea of why you're doing what you're doing um, why does corporate worship matter why is it different from what we do Monday through Saturday or whenever you go to church um, and it was in that development education conversations that we had that really brought a lot of healing to me and gave me some momentum going forward to being able to feel like I can, I can stand on my own two feet and have these conversations that are difficult sometimes, but um, it ends up being a lot more 
uh, than I like this song, so why can't we sing it? Or I don't like that style, so we should never do it again kind of a thing. Mm. Yeah, Julie, I wonder if you would sort of unpack one of the questions you just raised. Why does worship matter? <laughs> well, of course, there's no, um, you know, it's not like I can flip to one single sentence in the Bible and say, this is why. But I think we can draw from... Without taking us into next week. You know, like that's the Wouldn't problem it be, also, right? Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great right. if... I feel like so many areas in my life right now, I just am like, where is that one sentence answer that I can just say, that's it, and that's what we're doing? Um, it's, it's just not the world we live in. Um, life is hard because it requires nuance. It yeah. does. And, and we see so little of that. We do. <laughs> <laughs> nuance is a gift. Graciousness is a gift. Um, Amen. But getting back to your, your question about worship, um, worship is something we're called to do. You know, it's not optional. And uh, I try not to beat m people over the head with it, but it bothers me when I look out and I see a whole lot of people that aren't even trying to sing. Um, and I understand that some people might be thinking about the words or some people might not know the song or so, you know, I, people have their reasons for that. But I think that there are a lot of people who just don't feel comfortable with singing. And to which I say, we're commanded to sing. It's in the Bible like a bunch of times. And the Lord has given us our voices and the gift of music. We might not all sing like angels. I do not sing like an angel. If there's anything COVID has taught me, it is hearing myself online doing worship services. And and it's just been, you know, brought to my knees. <laughs> yes. oh, oh, I can so relate with that. <laughs> oh. But we do it anyway, right? Oh, we yeah. do it anyway. Um, and so... That's my first answer is we're commanded to sing. We're commanded to lift our voices together. Um, and I think that if you try it and you, you practice that every week, you will, your life will be fulfilled in a unique way. Um, the other part of my answer, and this is another part that really has developed my idea of worship, the philosophy of worship, is that worship is so much more than just the music. And this is the other thing that I get a little bit frustrated about sometimes is people will say all the time, oh, it was such good worship this morning, or didn't you love that worship, or this time of worship, and and yes, music is worship, but worship is so much more than that, and uh, if we can really start to develop this mindset and cultivating this idea of worship being a whole lot of different elements, and corporate worship, a lot of different elements that we can only do as a body, that we can only do when we're together, um, in some form, how much richer we would be as a church, as a community, and as individuals um, to know that we have that. Mm. Julie, you're so eloquent. Oh, thank you. That's you're as nice. close to that one sentence answer as I could imagine. I love that. Julie, um, what, what would you say is the distinction for you between being a worshiper, a, a participant in worship mm -hmm. versus being the director of worship, the, you know, the leader of the mm -hmm. worship. That is an excellent question. Um, 
And it's tricky. I think in, in every service you feel, um, well, I guess I should say when I get home from church on Sunday, you know, at one o'clock, whenever it is, I take a nap. I take a nap for a couple hours. Um, it's exhausting. Um, the weight of what you're doing is so fulfilling, but it's exhausting because you're, it feels like, um, it feels like a performance as far as the energy and the focus and the preparation that goes into it. But it's also this unique spiritual experience where you are leading people in worship of an almighty God. Um, I think that the best worship leaders are very well prepared. Uh, they know very thoroughly what they're going to be doing. And that gives them the freedom to worship with others when that time comes. Um, if you're not prepared, if you don't have a plan, if you don't um, really own what's coming, it's very hard to let go, I find, and just be in the moment and let those words wash over you in a new way, the scripture, um, whatever that is. So I'm a big fan of letting the Holy Spirit especially chime in during the process. <laughs> there are a lot of a lot of worship leaders that are saying, oh, we're going to let the Holy, you know, the Holy Spirit's going to show up during the service. And I'm like, that's great. But just in case, you know, like, <laughs> let's. <laughs> yes. The Holy Spirit is ready whenever. And let's be good stewards of the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given us in our preparation and our planning and our process so that we can lovingly guide our converse, our congregation in, in, in worship. Right. So, um, yeah, I think. The most effective worship leaders are the ones that can worship while they're doing it, but I don't think that that comes just willy-nilly. I think that's a deliberate choice and process. Yes. Oh, I love that. It reminds me of Robert Shaw talking about the, the Holy Spirit, and he said, if you want the dove to descend, first you must clean out the birdcage. <laughs> Uh, but I like, I, you know, Julia, I mean, like in, in, in this moment of transparency, I'll just say as a fellow church musician, when I am mm -hmm. leading music, um, I have a, a, an awful time getting the warm fuzzies of, you know, yeah. the, 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 not that warm fuzzies are what worship is. Okay. Let me mm -hmm. like, right. That is not what worship is, but I, I, typically enjoy my worshiping experience so much more when I am in the pew than when mm -hmm. I am in front. Um, and so I just, I appreciate, I appreciate your words because, um, yeah, I want to be a more conscientious worshiper when I am leading worship. There's something that speaks very powerfully I don't know. I, I think the idea of emotional intelligence and vulnerability in our worship leading. Um, I think a congregation is free to worship when they see somebody leading who is being vulnerable at some level. Um, and again, um, for me, I can be most vulnerable when I'm prepared, I guess. Um, if I'm if I'm not feeling on top of the music, then I'm going to grip it real hard and I'm going to be watching real carefully and I'm going to be double checking and my brain's going a thousand miles a minute. Um, if I really know what's coming up and I've, you know, I've rehearsed and practiced, then there's this freedom to to embrace it and to experience it. And then when that 
you, you show that on your face and in your voice, I think that that gives permission to your congregation in a whole new way to be able to say, oh, oh, you know, and, and hopefully, you know, show that, you know, a little bit to them and have them hopefully respond. Um, doing that in a way that is authentic and doesn't come across as manipulative is, is the challenge. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I think one of the things that I, that, that I'm thinking about as we're talking here um, is that the preparation and the inspiration are circular, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you like as you kind of start. Okay, this is you know we we uh, lose using the lectionary. Like we, you start mm-hmm. with this maybe the scripture text or maybe the pastor gives you an idea. Okay, you find mm-hmm. maybe some songs and then maybe you're inspired. Okay, and then now I have more to work with here. And okay, now I'm inspired, and it just keeps going. And and yeah. like and then it can even happen. In the worship service, you know, that that um, that that inspiration, that all of the information and the inspiration kind of just keep flowing on each other. But they definitely are connected. Like um, the thing, the word we haven't used that I think I want to bring up here is uh, uh, liturgy. Like, oh, I was hoping that was the word. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, the importance of like, I mean, you say we say manipulation. And I think in some ways, liturgy, I mean, it is, it's just being intentional. Like, I want to point you towards this. I want to point you towards, like, so like, how, like, uh, um, how has that, the idea of having an order and, Mm -hmm. and, and that still trying to be organic, like, how do you um, wrestle between those two? Yeah, that's something I'm very much in process of. I did not grow up in a tradition that Uh, use the word liturgy. (laughs) And it's only been in the last seven or eight years, probably that I've really started reading um, a lot more and and experiencing it to an extent. My husband is the worship director at a Presbyterian church. And so when I have the privilege of of joining them and some capacity, I love their order of worship. I love following along. I love the the security of it. I love knowing what's coming next. Um, and part of that is my personality um, and the way I'm wired. I, you know, I very much like to be prepared and I like to know what's coming. And, um, but there is something very um, unifying about that too. Um, I think it is harder for people to point fingers at a leader and say, well, you do things this way or you're, you know, you have this agenda or you are trying to get us to do this when we're all looking at a liturgy that's been before us for hundreds of years and we're all sharing in as a body of Christ around the world. Pierce uses some liturgy. We have two services and the Saturday service, um, which is not meeting right now because of COVID, but we hope to reinstate in the upcoming weeks, uh, is a little bit more liturgically driven as far as the scripture passages um, and the prayers and some of the things that we do there. And that service has become, um, don't tell the choir, Phil, but that's become my favorite personal (laughs) service as far as um, just being able to really sink into that and and feel like I'm being nourished in in a very unique way. So liturgy has become ever more important to me as, as as a worship director and something that I'm trying to to bring into our services in ways that hopefully are fostering that community and that health um, as a congregation. Yeah, I mean, 
the for me like one of the ways that has helped me um as as i as i did it with you all at pierce and just in in my in my own kind of growth as a musician and leading worship Mm -hmm. realizing um when it came to liturgy that i was being invited to a table and that i was actually being giving something given something and so it's kind of this this kind of um I don't know this kind of weird situation where I, even as a, even as someone who is presenting the music mm-hmm. is still being given to me by mm. God. Yeah. Yes. You know. Um, yes, I, I think by the time I got through college, um, there was very much a sense of I think I pretty much have this figured out. I think I know the answers to most things, um, which was a horribly arrogant way to think about. But it was, you know, at some level, that was kind of the way my church. Yeah. And I think apologetics driven church growing up, you know, that was the way I was trained was to kind of think through and, okay, well, here are the answers and here's how we defend. Liturgy has opened my soul up to new realms of receiving of humbling, of lamenting, lots of different things that have just um, made me tender again for the spirit, which I'm so grateful for, just so grateful for. Mm. That's so good. So you you talked about how liturgy has opened you up to mm-hmm. lamenting, to receiving. This is an abrupt shift, but how have you experienced lament, receiving, encouragement, all of those those things that liturgy is able to provide during this really bizarre season in history during this pandemic? Yeah. Um, I think that prior experiences with lament, which I'm a very blessed individual to have led a blessed life, um, but that doesn't mean that there haven't been hardships and seasons of loss and seasons of grief. Um, And in those seasons before COVID, uh, especially, you know, in some of those opening ones, I didn't know what to do. That was one thing that my growing up really didn't prepare me for. That was not something we talked about a lot in our church, um, was how to mourn with those who mourn. And, uh, liturgy gave me, you know, reading and talking with my husband and, you know, just to have the permission to grieve and to lament and to not have to end it on a positive note. That was pretty revolutionary for me. Wait, you mean I can just complain and then sign off? What? You know, (laughs) God can handle that? What? Um, that didn't seem right, you know, and and yet it was what my soul needed. It was crying out for that permission to say, I'm so broken right now and I don't feel like you're hearing me and I don't get it. Um, so practice with that um, at a very personal level. With COVID now, I feel like so much of what I'm doing is online. It's these Worship Wednesday experiences where people are tuning in or pre-recorded. We're just starting to do some live streaming things. But there have been so many songs and scriptures that I've, that have jumped out to me because of, oh, that's a song of lament. Oh, oh, a song of lament. And so this season, there have been so many cool ways to say, hey, this song speaks to us right now, and you have permission 
to struggle. You have permission to grieve. You have permission to question. Um, and we can do that together and God can handle that. And he desires that, you know, he desires our honesty and our humanity. Um, and he will guide us. He will hold us fast. That's probably been the number one song that I just play over and over is Keith and Kristen Getty's He Will Hold Me Fast. Um, even when I'm kicking and screaming or, you know, in the fetal position under a blanket, <laughs> he will hold us fast through through all of this. Yes, I think I, oh, I love that, Julia. And I think you're right. I think that this pandemic season um has has forced us to to be a little bit more honest about how mm-hmm. we are feeling i think even churches with good theology who would absolutely not be in the health and wealth prosperity gospel camp even sure. those churches so often their music is love jesus and you'll be happy not, you know, they're right. not promising rich, they're not promising healthy, but they are promising happy. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's just not true, is it? <laughs> I, don't, I don't see that sentence in the Bible. No, yeah, I... yeah. Love Jesus and you'll feel the whole gamut of human emotions just like yes. someone who doesn't. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, I mean, the, and I, I remember in the going pointing back to roberts i remember in my old mm. testament class just um we reading through the psalms and i you know we have heard people talk about this and we have talked with people about this but david he i mean I, I forget the the kind of the three um i think orientation reorientation and like something mm-hmm. like this something or like like confusion or <laughs> disbelief I'm just making these up. Just, just, <laughs> just this. David goes through these, go, go, like goes through these um, ebb, ebb and flows of emotion in, yeah. in in a song, and he may only, he may only deal with that for he may only he may deal with despair for a complete for a whole, for the entire psalm, you know, as we mm-hmm. as we section them, and then maybe the next or maybe the, the next two or something like that. He then is reoriented towards my I look up. Right. But mm-hmm. it's always but the everything that he's feeling is always pointed to the mm-hmm. God that he loves or that loves him. And it's not until we trust God. Right. Because if we if we're not lamenting people, I think we're saying at some level that we don't trust God to handle mm-hmm. us in that situation. Mm-hmm. You're not you're going to you're going to leave me or you're going to be upset at me or whatever. And. It's not until we let ourselves be that vulnerable and God is still there and he's still holding us and he's still loving us that we say, oh, oh, you're that kind of a God. Oh, and that opens the door for this richer, more honest, real relationship with with our creator that we would never have had or experienced if we had not gone there. Um, And so I'm always praying that our churches will be more. Uh, revolutionary in some ways, um, or, you know, bringing those things back as far as how can we help our people encounter God in, at this level that is will become a reality for pretty much everybody at some point in their lives? How can we be practicing that? Yes. Amen. So, Julie, um, before I ask my, our, my next question, tell us a, a little bit about Pierce. Phil and I both know 
about sure. Pierce, but our audience might not know about, you know, the demographic mm -hmm. makeup of Pierce Church. Sure. So Pierce Church is a free Methodist church in North Chi Lai, New York, right next to the campus of Roberts Wesleyan College. Um, yes, yeah, so uh, I've come on, I started attending when I was a freshman at Roberts in 2003. So I've been able to track with it pretty closely now for 17 years. Um, it is kind of the hub of free Methodism, if you will, uh, B.T. Roberts. Um, founded, you know, all of the things in this area, and uh, the Free Methodist Church, um, very Wesleyan tradition as far as its theology, known for um, the ordination of women and um, equal rights for all people, uh, especially, uh, I think the original issue was about pews and being able to buy pews and reserve your pew, and B.T. Roberts said, no, we're not going to do that. Um, so pretty cool to be a part of that. Uh, Pierce's probably has about five or 600 people. Um, we have a Sunday morning service in our main sanctuary, and then we have a Saturday evening service, which is in Parmeter Chapel, which used to be the, the sanctuary, and actually used to be, I think, where we had student recitals uh, at Roberts oh, wow. before they built the Cultural Life Center. Um, so some really great spaces there. And uh, we do a blend of music. Um, Pierce has a long choral tradition that dates back way before I was born, as many people have told me and continue to tell me. Um, because you, because you, you, might, you might forget. Because I might forget. There are lots of people in the Pierce choir that have been singing in the choir a lot longer than I've been alive. And they let me know. Um, so it's pretty cool to be able to direct that group. Um, it's an honor to work with a group that historied and, um, you know, kind of with that backstory. Um, but we do more modern contemporary music as well. Um, we have another director at Pierce who I collaborate with, and she definitely has a mind a little bit more towards the newer and the fresher. And uh, she brings in that creativity, and I bring in, I think, a little bit more philosophical, historical perspective. And we work together to craft services that hopefully are rich and nourishing um, and and really do speak, I mean, because we do have this older congregation down the road. We have a retirement community. So we have a lot of older people, but we also are right next door to a college. So, and everything in between. So it's quite a challenge, I think, demographically. Um, there's no, you know, there's no one one thing, yeah, I guess, yeah, as far as style. Right, right. Well, well, so how, so do, how you, do you, as, as a, 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 leader a leader in the church, how do you negotiate the issues that come with being a multi-generational congregation? Right. So again, this is going to go right back to that whole, um, why do we do what we do? Mm -hmm. So a lot of what, I, what I'm doing is um, I'm educating as much as I can anyway. And I don't want to, you know, stick it down anybody's throats, but in a gentle, loving way, we're, we're always trying to orient people towards why are we doing this? Who calls us to this? Because that grounds us, right? If we re remember this starts with God, he starts the, con the conversation and we respond. Um, that really helps us all to kind of start from, a, I think, a more humble place. Um, a few years ago, I developed, I developed, I was part of a team of very smart people, of which I was just honored to be at the table, in crafting a philosophy of worship for Pierce. And we sat down and talked about, you know, 
definition of worship? What does that mean for our congregation? And what are kind of the values? We came up with six. We didn't want to come up with too many because we would be you know, overwhelmed, but just six values that we can really hone in on as we're planning service elements. So those are huge for me. I have them hanging up on the wall in my office. And if somebody comes to me and says, hey, I love this song, we should do this, or we really should have a children's Christmas musical this year, or we should do this outreach or whatever, the first thing I can do is say, because this document's been approved by our board, I can go to the to our values and say, does this line up? with these worship values that we have. And if it does, great, you know, let's pursue this. Let's, you know, let's keep having this conversation. If it doesn't, or it's a partial match, let's have a conversation. And here's kind of the starting point as far as why we might have some more questions about this. What do you think? Um, But those values transcend generation. Um, So as you're, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a, a 22-year-old college student or a, an 82-year-old retiree, um, those values of being scripture-saturated and Trinitarian and um, contextual to our, to our local community, th- those are good for everybody, I think. <laughs> how, does that, how, does that, how does that work itself, work out, itself out in the week-to-week? Yeah. It's, um, I don't think you can say it's formulaic um, too much. I think every week's a little different. And Pierce has had a lot of pastoral transition in the last three or four years. So um, as much as I'm doing worship directing, I still, you know, we still have a head pastor, of course. And so I'm getting um, information and feedback from from that lead pastor and, and working with him at this point to be crafting services that fit his vision for Pierce. Um, We have a new pastor coming just in a couple more weeks, so we're going to go through this process again. Um, So I I can't really say, Phil, like, oh, well, every week we do this and this and this. Generally, we're we're looking at the sermon scripture, especially for the kind of the response to the sermon. What can we sing afterwards that's going to really, you know, send everybody home kind of meditating on this? Um, And then before the sermon what kind of scriptures and songs um do we want that to go with the sermon do we want it to be more lectionary do we want it to be holiday dependent you know kind of there are a lot of factors that that come in in that but we can always go back to that worship values document and the philosophy of worship and say you know when we get bogged down in the week to week you know well this and this and this has come up and we got to make sure we accommodate this we can always just kind of go back to that and say does this does this match does this fit are we straying too far from what we really hold dear Hmm. yeah julie to to wrap up our questions with you i'm actually going to ask a question that's not on our google doc so this is going to be totally spontaneous for our our (laughs) audience who's like she can't possibly be so eloquent all right (laughs) And I'm going to ask you also to, you are allowed to unpackage it after, but I want you to give like a one or two word answer to my question and then unpackage it if you wish. What is the best thing about being a worship director? (laughs) (laughs) That's a really odd question. (laughs) Uh, Completeness is a word that comes to mind. Mm. Um, oh, 
I'm, I'm so excited to hear the explanation. I thought for, if I were asked this question, I would have used the Sunday school cop out answer. Jesus. <laughs> okay, but please Sorry, tell us. Please. Tell us about completeness. <laughs> um, I think that, again, it kind of goes back to what I was saying about how I got into this mm. in the first place. For me personally, um, something that I fought pretty actively, you know, at least mentally, I was, I was aware, uh, that I did not want to do this. And then when I was doing it, realized maybe this is actually exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, that feeling when you are done your services, um, and for me, it really is the services. I, you know, I, staff meetings are fine. I enjoy my coworkers. Um, but you, didn't uh, you get know, into this get into for this the for the I did not get into this for the meetings. <laughs> My coworkers will attest to that. Um, but when you walk out of a service and you, you've come in, you've prepared, you meet your friends, your musicians, your brothers and sisters in the Lord, you're on the same mission and vision, you're making beautiful music together, you're hearing the word, you're, you know, you're connecting at an ensemble level as a musician. For me, I love directing. Choral directing has become something that I just... Mm, you know, there's something so satisfying about the emotion and the physicality of it that's just really special. Amen. You get you get done, and it's like, how could it? How can it get much better than that? You know, it's mm. just there's something so complete, mind, body, and soul that is touched um, from doing this. That I'm not sure it's for everybody. It can be. It's a lot, but uh, there is something that's really uh, complete about it for me. Phil, anything else you'd like to ask before we move on to our final segments? I, I, I think really quickly, I, I think maybe we could touch a little bit more on the Pierce and Roberts connection. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. good call. Which is cool because, I mean, as I mean, it's speak, speaking chorally and musically, okay. Adam, you you lead the the choir, the the premier choir at Robert's the choir at the college, at the, college. Yes. the choir at the church. And yeah, there is this really special relationship between the two institutions. So yeah, maybe yeah. We, both of you could talk about that really quick. You know, before we get to yeah, Adam, do you wanna you wanna go first? Um. Well, I would. You know, I as the director of choral activities at the college, I'll just say you know I so appreciate having this built-in support for. Uh, the college as a whole, absolutely, but you know, I especially I feel this support for the the choral program that I am privileged mm -hmm. to lead from the people at Pierce Church. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so many of them are alumni of the college, and even those who are not still seem to take you know a really <coughs> vested interest in what is going on. Um, mm -hmm. So I just I feel that support. I love every time that I get to come hang out with your choir, Julie. Um, I love the collaborations we have done. I love bringing the chorale to sing at the church. I just, so I, yeah, I think it's a very special relationship. Um, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a very, I think, definitely beneficial for the college. I hope it's beneficial in both ways, mutually beneficial. 
Yeah, I agree. I think I do feel a certain level of responsibility as an alum of Roberts and someone who has a heart for both the college and the church to see a continued collaboration there. I think that that's fallen off a little bit, um, you know, over the last couple of decades. And there's part of me that would really love to see that um, reinvigorated. I think, Adam, having you and work having you work with our choir has been a really great step. Having the choir sing, the chorale sing at Pierce last year was an awesome step in that direction. Um, we're always looking for more ways to have student musicians come over and and play with us and join with us, sing with us. Um, so that's something I think that we're, we're making some good steps in and I'm hoping we can continue to foster and nourish uh, in the upcoming years. Absolutely. So, yay, let's make okay. this happen, Julie. Apparently we're on the same page, so. We just need a, we just need a vaccine and then all of our <laughs> ideas can start to happen. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, Julie, we end um, we end each podcast with two recurring segments. The first is Current Events Corner, where we talk about something in the news. And okay. the last is What Did We Learn, where we talk about something from the episode that has struck us, is going to stick with us. Uh, you want to play along? Absolutely. Yay. Great. Great. Uh, great. Phil, why don't you start this week? What is your current event of note? Okay, so quickly, my current event, I, I actually did some traveling uh, safely, very conscious of the the, <laughs> the guidelines and everything, but I was able to go home. I haven't, I, mm. I've i said I've been in South Florida uh, since since I graduated um, from uh, Roberts and left Rochester, and so just last <laughs> week, I was able to go home for the first time, and so that was really good. Oh, wow. Um, it was really good to see my family and my, my, nie my nieces and nephews that are getting so, getting so big and, and are growing yeah. without me. So it was really nice to see them. The, 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 the one thing that I think, um, okay, I guess kind of a sad note is that COVID is, is really, is touching the people kind of in my ex extended family. And so, oh, no. um, yeah, I, just we had three people to pass and i know two i know oh, one wow. was one was at least linked to um the virus and so wow. you know i'm just i i get i mean if i could ask for a prayer request i don't even think we've done this on the podcast but to yeah. ask the people to pray for my my family in in mm -hmm. alabama and uh um because it's this is uh the virus is real um so yes. yeah, it was nice but you know that was a kind of a sad kind of a sad moment for sure. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, Phil. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And we will be praying for sure. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All right, Julie. How about you? <laughs> Current events. All right. I'm. I'm probably gonna lose lose you both right now, but you asked for my my current events. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, I don't just do music. I love dabbling in a lot of different things. And one of the things, one of my lifelong interest has been the world of are you ready for this elite gymnastics wow. so i have been following i've been following elite gymnastics very closely since i was about six or seven years old and i have you know vhs tapes of over the olympics of 1996 and you know i just oh it's just one of my favorite things to follow and so um 
of course, a lot has gone on in the world of elite gymnastics in the last couple of years, especially in the United States. Um, but a current event that's kind of going on right now is, um, so, uh, you know, pretty much everybody knows that there's been kind of a real blow up in the whole USA gymnastics culture about coaching and doctors and um, the mismanagement of these children and young adults who are training and ultimately paying you know, paying these coaches and these these doctors um, and taking advantage of them. And there was a documentary that came out on Netflix on, I believe it was June 24th, which is my birthday. That's the only reason I know that. Oh, wow. Which was the story of the first athlete that came forward um, against Dr. Nassar. That documentary has started to bring down countries around the world, Australia, Great Britain, the Netherlands, Belgium, country after country after country of these athletes who are watching this documentary and saying, wait a minute, this has happened to me too, um, in areas of verbal, physical abuse, um, emotional abuse. And so um, it's been really interesting to see kind of this worldwide reaction to this documentary and specifically, and a lot of gymnastics federations are in a whole heap of trouble right now. Um, but hopefully this is a good time, you know, when things are slowed down and there are no Olympics right now that um, we could see some real positive progress in that. So there you go. There's my dorky hobby on the side current event issue. That's, that's, <laughs> that's huge. That's huge. Yeah. That's huge. And that's, you know, like that's like that. Uh, what is happening in that mm -hmm. one sport is happening throughout society, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's really, yeah, that's incredible. Can I, before I talk about my current event, can I just make sure that our listeners, um, our listeners know that another of your hobbies is food? Yeah, I was going to mention that too. <laughs> I thought that's what you were going to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like if food. we, yeah, if we, do we have permission to give out your Instagram, Julie? Sure, of course. Oh, because. Dear listeners, okay, so I, listen to the end of this podcast when Phil will give out Julie's contact info because <laughs> you want to follow her Instagram. She has the most gorgeous food I've yes. ever seen. It is like, I'm sure it tastes good too, <laughs> but gosh, I know it, it looks good. great. <laughs> so my kids don't let me practice my instruments anymore. I pull out my flute and they come running. I sit down at the piano. There's somebody in my lap. But I can putter in the kitchen and be creative, and they generally leave me alone. So that's become a creative outlet for me. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Oh, well, it is, it your is, Instagram, your Instagram is, beautiful. is beautiful. Oh, thank I you. Know, I'm, you know, I'm just scrolling through Instagram, and then I start to salivate. It's it's really therapy for me to just try to make something pretty. Mm, beautiful. But, I mean, I have to say really quick, like. Mm -hmm. I I had I I I did not eat really before we started this podcast, and I was just looking over your page, and I really was starting to smell, and like, <laughs> and, and I, I and and I was like, my stomach was growling, but so yeah, it really was look good. But I also like uh, for the Christmas um, Christmas gathering fellowship, you brought some cookies, and yeah. they were to die for. Hey, and your cheesecake mm. was not that bad either, Mr. Woodard. Thank that was a you. good night. That was good eating. It was. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Go ahead, Adam. 
Oh, okay. Well, uh, I'll try to make this as short as possible. Um, lesson learned. I'll lead with the lesson. You just never, ever put hope in a politician. <laughs> and, and, okay, so this week, the president announced that Kodak here in Rochester is getting a mammoth loan from the federal government and it, mm -hmm. and is going to, you know, shift a lot of its work toward, uh, you know, pharmaceutical related mm -hmm. stuff, um, which, you know, this is this is good news for Kodak. This is good news for Rochester, you know, and like we hot. Yay. Like that. All right. A politician we'll did something good for the world and our little corner of the world. Yay. And then this morning, the same person tweets about delaying the election, which is illegal. <laughs> so, you know, I just, you, as soon as someone gives you hope, he, they're just going to dash it again. So lesson, never put any hope in a politician. There's my current event. Oh, that's, yeah. It, it requires nuance. I'm just gonna. This is good it requires <laughs> yes. Well, I mean yes, right? No, no one is 100% good or 100% bad, but there is a scale. Dot dot dot. Someone just needs to weigh the scale. All right. <laughs> Phil, what did you learn this week? What well, so much? Really quick. Um, that Julie, you really uh, said this well. Like liturgy gives us access to the human emotion, to the range of human emotion, and that that was mm. really great. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. Yeah, it's kind of paradoxical, but it's so true. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What about um, you, Ed? Julie? What I learned from you this week? Um, two things. First of all, I am going to I'm going to embrace preparation as one of the keys to release. I tell my mm. students that all the time, but maybe I'm not very good at taking my own, <laughs> taking my own medicine. Um, and then the second thing, uh, coming back to what you said, one thing that you said at the very beginning, um, when you talked about how, when you when you see some of the, the politics that can be in the church, and you're mm -hmm. like, well, you know, if I'm going to work with miserable people, I want to work with miserable people who have a reason to be miserable, <laughs> and not with Christians who are supposed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, but I really, I, I think that's that's so true. But it also, it's, um, it's like a lesson that I have learned, as well as that I'm learning, is is that none of us is righteous no not one myself okay. first and first of all not righteous yeah. um and so we can all extend you know whenever whenever someone a christian does not live up to christ it is simply an opportunity to exercise grace that's right <laughs> that's and right Julie, did you learn anything this week i learned i love being on podcasts this was really Woo! fun um, yeah. No, I love I loved what Phil said about that cycle of inspiration mm. and preparation and all of that. Um, I think there's some real truth to that. And I'm, I was thinking as he was saying that of times that I have prepared and I have, you know, made sure I was ready to go. And then in that last rehearsal before a service, you know, somebody who I hadn't yet 
practiced with or rehearsed with, you know, comes in and, and they their voice or their instrument or their idea all of a sudden is like, yes, that's exactly what we need. Even at this last, mm. you know, level of, you know, you get that extra inspiration that comes in in different ways. And to be, um, as much as it's good to be prepared to, to be open to inspiration throughout the entire process, I guess, to be, to be receptive yes. to that. So I appreciated that. Phil is, Phil is full of good He is. I loved working with Phil. I miss mm-hmm. Phil. I, I mean, I, I miss, I, there are so many people. And I, I'll be honest, like, I feel like I sometimes say this disingenuously, but I really do, I really do miss um, you all in Rochester. Mm. There's so many great people and so many great memories. So, yeah, I'm, re- I'm glad we were, we've had this conversation with you. Julie, yeah. so yes. glad to connect. Thank you, Julie. Thank you for having me. It was a it was a privilege. Yeah. Phil, and how can our audience get a hold of Julie? Yes, so Julie, um, she is uh, the at Pierce, and so her email there is smith underscore Julie at piercechurch.org. Um, again, she is also on Instagram, and I, I would say please eat before you go to her Instagram page. <laughs> please have a meal before you go check, because if you don't, you, you're going to be hungry. Uh, yes, but it's true. at her Instagram is Julie with two E's, so G, uh, J-U-L-I-E-E, period, Smith, 624. That's Instagram. And then on Facebook, you can find her at Julie Smith. There you go. Awesome. awesome. Thanks again. Oh, Julie. thank you guys so much. Blessings on this podcast as you keep, you know, interviewing and exploring. I'll be, I'll be tuning in. Thank well, you. Thanks. Thank you for being <laughs> with us again. Thank you. All right. All right. I, oh. I think you you always need the last word, <laughs> Phil, because your voice is so better. So I will say. <laughs> Bye for now. Adios. This meeting is being recorded. Now we've officially started. started. (laughs) Can you say that that? at the beginning of the podcast? podcast, (laughs) Now we've officially started. And welcome. welcome. Okay. 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 Here we go. You want me to say now we've officially started for real? I mean, you don't have to say You know that this is a very unscripted thing. So if that is not true to who you are, Phil, don't say it. No, I can say I mean, I feel like that was, you know. I mean, we'll just show all two minutes of us trying to start the podcast. No, you go. No, you go. No, you go. Okay, here we go. Here we go. And now we've now officially we've started. 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 Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not natural. It's not natural. Here, we go. Here we go. <laughs>